Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. This week, we're taking a deeper dive into Exodus 1 and 3. We're talking about the story of Moses encountering God for the first time, talking about uh, the regime change in, uh, in Egypt and the Israelites falling out of favor then with the new regime and how those two things to go together. We discussed how this passage uh, describes to us about God's character and how God operates, one of the ways that God's, uh, God operates. Uh, and so we talked about God being the eternal one and God being the interceding one. So lots in this, but of course it was World Communion Sunday, and so uh, we were trying to fit a lot into the service, Pastor Dina, and uh, so there were things that were cut. There were kind of ideas that I just kind of glossed over. What were your big takeaways? What What did you pull out of this passage? What struck you? How was the Holy Spirit calling to you through it? Well, first, I want to mention that because it was World Communion Sunday, we unveiled our new prayer plan for the world. Oh, yes, um, yes. Which we wanted to mention because we ha- we'll have some fun links in the show notes to some of our favorite songs about countries, um, <laughs> you know. Shout out to to Rockapella and where in the world is Carmen Sandiego. But um, someone actually mentioned to me on the way out of worship how excited that they were that we were going to start this again. We had done it. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, we had done it one other time. We And it's been eight years since we started it. Wow. So Afghanistan's the first country. It's been eight years since we prayed specifically for Afghanistan and and the Christians there and the religious situations, but the person who who was excited about it just said how good it is to be reminded that that we are so much bigger. And mm, you know, some yes. of these countries we're going to pray for are surprising that they are even places that you know that we've just never heard of. They're not on our radar. They're not on the news, even though there are some very significant things happening there. And so. Um, and so I think, especially in this recent season, it is good. It is so good for me and my heart to be reminded that God is so much bigger than our individual city, our individual church, our individual situations, yeah. our individual um, proclivities as to to how we want things to be done or where where we think the church should go. That that God is so much bigger than that, and and this this passage where we hear about God's name, I am just reminds us of the vastness of God. And so I, as I listened to the sermon, thinking about this, this God who promises I am, I think several, um, do we questions popped out? Like, do we live as though the God of the universe wants to be with us and interceded on our behalf I don't think we do I I think it's much easier to treat God as a cosmic genie to grant our wishes uh you know a a fire insurance to keep us from hell and you know a, a cosmic judge who is is deciding whether we are doing good things or bad things but to think of God as somebody who wants to be with us and wants a relationship with us then begs the question do we really want a relationship with God or do we just want someone who's going to pat us on the the head and say well done good and faithful servant the scales came out in your favor yeah yeah you or (laughs) sure I'll you know I'll grant that miracle this time kind of thing yeah 
you, you better serve on the committee then. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I'm quid, quid pro quo. I'm doing this for you. So yeah. if, and I hear you on that. I, and I've, I have my own thoughts on it, of course. But what are, what have you seen as kind of that symptoms of God as cosmic genie or cosmic judge syndrome that, that we have? What, what does that look like? And, and, and then I'll ask later on how that compares to what you think a life understanding God as the eternal one, as I am who I am really, uh, fleshes out. So what, what are those symptoms of cosmic genie slash judge syndrome? I think, I think a lot of times the way we present prayer requests in general, and I'm not picking on any one particular thing, but you know, our prayers often turn into laundry lists of, of things we want God to do or people we want God to be with without, it is much harder. And especially in our public prayers, we don't often ask God to make our hearts okay with what is coming you know Mm. we we want healing we want peace we want comfort but we don't often ask for god's vision or god's purpose an understanding of those things in our hearts so i think i mean i think that's one thing we we often act as though the more people we have praying the more god's gonna listen Mm. to us in the, you know, and we and we see that we see that worked out by social media. We see that worked out by like, oh, put this person on your prayer list, in your prayer list, in your prayer list. Which you know, and it's hard to talk about these things without making me sound like I'm I'm slamming them because there is value in that. I mean, there is there is so much value for us in our prayers, in in lifting up someone in looking for answered prayers and, and celebrating those answers, answered prayers. But like I said, we often act as though the more people praying or the more often we pray for something, the more effective our prayers are going to be. And so then God's just deciding like, okay, I've heard from this number of people now. Sure. I'll do it. Or nope, not going to do that. Sorry. Not enough people praying or you didn't pray hard enough or you didn't, you don't understand my will enough. Sorry. So sad for you. Mm, um yeah so i think that's part of it i think part of it is the idea that that just showing up is enough i don't see i don't want to say that um (laughs) (laughs) well i'll say i was gonna say it it's harder to see a hunger for what god is really doing and god's presence because so often our our energy gets consumed with church separate from God what the church is doing what the church is accomplishing um i don't know this this might be going really off the rails cuz i'm not slamming our particular church or any particular people but we get so caught up in the things that we can understand and control that i think we forget to think about the eternal God that wants to be with us, that that doesn't care what fundraisers we have or how long the service is or whether we have contemporary music or traditional music or no music or all music. We've reduced faith so much to a function of 
of what we do and we forget about the God who came to be with us. And, and I and I include myself in that too. As someone who works for the church, it's much easier to focus on the work of the church, the programs, the things that we pull off than, than the relationships that are are being formed. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but no, that's, I, I mean, so to, to recap, like the things that you see in the, in the symptoms of, of this would be a, a prayer life that is characterized by, by requests Mm -hmm. rather than by necessarily seeking the heart of God and seeking to be transformed. So a a prayer life, I guess, to rephrase that seeks to transform than rather be transformed. Mm -hmm. And then, um, Similarly, um, a, a prayer life that, uh, not a prayer life, excuse me, but a faith life that um, depends highly on institutional engagement mm-hmm. and not necessarily spiritual and community engagement. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's accurate. Okay. Yeah, no. And it, I guess my fear in saying that is it sounds like I'm being so critical like I said, I include myself in that as well. And also, I think as as the church as an institution is figuring a whole lot of stuff out, we ha- we all of a sudden we're asking those questions now and examining and examining ourselves in a way that we didn't have to before. Well, and and I mean absolutely because I mean uh, Carrie Newhoff just had um, I can't remember the pastor's name, but they did some some. Um, social research on um, the the de-churching of America and the fact that 40 million, uh, 40 million Christians have left the church over the past 25 to 30 years. Um, and the questions are, why? You know, why, why are we, um, I think Adam Rice is the guy's, is the pastor's name from Orlando, Florida. Um, no, Jim, Jim Davis. Davis. Yeah. Uh, that's right. I had to think about it. I was like, oh yeah, same name as the creator of Garfield. <laughs> I, I know funny connections, but, yeah. um, and, uh, I want to say the, the researcher's na- last name is Ryan or something like that. Um, anyway, um, but they did the, the research and, and, you know, 40 million Americans have become de-churched over the past 25 to 30 years. And so there is, I mean, we both grew up in the eighties and nineties mm-hmm. and, and one of the shows on during that time, of course, was Cheers mm-hmm. and the theme song. You want to go where everyone knows your name. Yeah. And that was a bar. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, and I've seen articles from, from the eighties on even comparing concerts to worship experiences that, you know, if we can get this sense of belonging and this sense of, of joy from being at a rock concert, then, you know, what's the place of the church when, when the bar is the place where you go where everyone knows your name, when, when music, when secular music fulfills that need in your life for something joyous and transcendent. Um, yeah. When, when, when social media fulfills, at least seemingly fulfills the need for connection and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, that's, and so I interned for ministry 13 years ago um, in the Pittsburgh area. And I know my, my uh, supervising pastor, um, 
Carl McDonald, he gave me a, a research from Christianity, a research piece from Christianity today at that point back in 2010 that, you know, bars were far more friendly places than churches and that lawyers were trusted more than pastors. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that was 13 years ago. Yeah. Um, because pastors used to have the, the status of being some of the highly highest educated, most highly respected and highly trusted people within a given community. And the fact that we had sunk below lawyers was, was quite telling. We were quite low on the page. Um, and so we've got to ask the question as to why that happened. And, and I mean, I, you know, I I don't want to be a part of something that is, that is just a a piece of machinery with no soul to it. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, you know, in the, in the, in the grumpier days, in the the more cynical days, (laughs) it seems like the, the church universal has, has become that we have. Our, our only focus is on how, how to keep what we have going and not what is God trying to do in, in our midst and what, what is passing away and what is, is new that we're being called to. And it, it, those are hard questions because they're painful and we have to admit that the things that we found meaning in may not be what this next generation finds meaning in and and that a a life of faith or a life in the church because those can be two separate things is not just a foregone conclusion even I mean I feel like when we were growing up it was like it wasn't a foregone conclusion the way it was in generations before us but it was still kind of the expectation that that you would be in the church until high school, end of high school, whatever, you know, college and young adulthood as, you know, do whatever you want. But then once you have kids, you're back in the church. Right. And that was the lament for years. You know, you know, people aren't coming back until they have kids that they want us to baptize. And now we're not even seeing that right. as much. Yeah. So it's hard. It's a hard, these are hard questions to ask. I think you had phrased it. Do we live as though we do we live as though god wants to be with us and has has interceded on our behalf and has um has do we live as though god cares for us do we understand on a deep personal level that jesus has been tempted as though we are and there's nothing in our experience that he cannot relate to um we're we're really good at telling people they that they don't understand us you know we yeah. we're really good at acting as though we're the only people to have nobody knows the trouble i've seen yeah yeah um yeah do we really do we really fully believe that god understands and cares for us and that the idea of emmanuel that god wants to be with us and then do our lives show that that i mean that's and that's why i asked what the symptoms of these things are is because you know what is it that we're seeing that that points to the idea that okay um i'm here but maybe i'm not engaged maybe i'm not um searching for god maybe 
maybe I have attached kind of what you were describing. Maybe I have attached my faith to a form rather than to, mm-hmm. to the God behind the form. Um, and I agree with you. I, I mean, I am someone who has been involved with camping ministry. I'm, in fact, I'm about to leave mm-hmm. for camp tonight. Um, in one hour. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but, uh, I've cut a pack. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I'm someone who's been involved with camping ministry because that has been formational in my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has taken me a while. And it actually, I think it was actually being up at the camp one of the first times without the programming there mm. that made it, it forced, it wrenched my faith from the form. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was actually a very, very helpful thing. And and I had to, to reconstruct my faith in a way that made sense of the experience at the place and sense of the experience that I have when the place was empty as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I think as pastors, maybe we have a, a deeper understanding of that because by, by vocation, we're involved in more than one church throughout our lifetime. I mean, yeah. Very, very few people end up serving at the church that formed them. And it's probably not a great idea if it yeah. does happen. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and I say this knowing, you know, I've been here at this church for, for much longer than the average pastor stays in one spot, for which Correct. I'm very thankful. But, you know, we, by vocation, move around and so have different experiences of church, whereas a lot of people only know one or maybe two congregations in their whole Christian life. Yes. And so it's much more deeply ingrained they're they're much more deeply enmeshed with one another than than for those of us who have had multiple different experiences of of different camps and different conferences and different churches and different congregations and different ways of doing church doing worship doing a relationship with God. So uh, you're making me think of and so I'll put a link to the Carrie Newhoff episode. It's episode 600. The researcher is Dr. Ryan Burge. Very fascinating. One of the stats that that was brought up is the fact that actually people with master's degrees are being de-churched at a rate vastly lower than everyone else. Huh. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, it's actually the poor who are being de-churched at the fastest rate in America. Huh. Um, which is a massive indictment on the church that is supposed yeah. to be concerned yeah. about the, the poor and the widowless. So it's actually the people of the lower classes who are becoming the most de-churched in America. But it, very interestingly, it's the people with master's degrees. I think it's only a 3% de-churching rate. Huh. If I can remember that stat correctly. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because what you're saying is these more experiences of faith that that pin our faith we can't then pin it to one place mm-hmm. or one you know experience but it's it then becomes a matrix of things and then you realize that this matrix actually points to and i'm not referring to keanu reeves uh mm-hmm. but uh the matrix actually points to the creator rather than to all these created things where we had the experience of God breaking into our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the theories is that people who have master's degrees actually think through and test things a lot more mm-hmm. because of the nature of, of education. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think it also says something about the demands that a church 
puts on its members understandably i mean because because being a part of a life of of a body of the body of christ being a part of the life of a congregation does have obligations with it it shouldn't just be an all a one-sided service but but for those who are more economically disadvantaged they they don't have the money to give to the offering they most likely don't have as much time to volunteer to to be a part of the the infrastructure of the church and yet as you said that these are the very people that we are called to care for and so i think that leads to the question i mean kind of i guess kind of related to my idea of of prayer and and this cosmic genie idea like is the church only interested in the people that can can answer its needs and Mm. and do what it asks and to keep it's things going or is it really interested in serving even when someone can't respond and and we see that to to tie it into the scriptures then what we saw you know it would have been very easy for god to just look at the israelites and be like hey you put your faith in the political power of the day mm-hmm. that political power shifted you get what you you made your bed go lay down in it yeah uh, or lie down, whichever I, English major, but lie and lay are not my friends. Yeah. Um, you know, you made your bed go lie in it. I, and, you know, that's that's really conventional human wisdom. Whereas instead, uh, Israel had nothing to offer God. Mm-hmm. Um, they had not offered um, worship. They had not offered, you know, just, they didn't offer anything. They were slaves. They, yeah. were, they were a minor... Submitic subgroup that existed really nomadically until they got to Egypt, and then they had a good deal going, so they kind of settled in Egypt for a while. And, mm-hmm. and but otherwise, on the grand stage of things, you know, uh, Persia, Babylon, Assyria, um, you know, the Mesopotamian empires were were far more um, culturally influential. They were far more populated. Mm-hmm. They were far more powerful um but god instead takes this this personal interest in a people group who could offer him nothing mm-hmm. um and intervenes on their behalf and and if we want to have incarnational ministry then shouldn't we be reflecting that and and i mm-hmm. tried to to connect that then to that's exactly what the in, the incarnation is about yeah. so uh wow i just got on a soapbox but <laughs> you know that's those are things I'm passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, you think about Moses and the way he was called to do seemingly impossible things. And, you know, as I mentioned in the children's sermon, I've never seen a burning bush. And yet each of us are called to. I have, but it burned down. Oh, yeah. Well, so this one wasn't consumed. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, the, like each of us are called to do hard things to live in a world with hard things to figure out what what god has for us and what god's calling for us to do and how to how to be adults in a ever-changing world how how to use our vocations and and all that stuff and what and of course you know moses didn't get it right away but what peace there is in hearing that promise i am like there's mm-hmm. nothing you're going to do where I won't be there and 
and you're going to make mistakes and you're going to make missteps and maybe you'll be wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years and yet I will be with you. I am. I'm already there. I already, I already, I'm in the promised land. I'm already at the end of your suffering. And And there's a whole lot of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, you had, you had mentioned that perhaps part of our, our job as Christians is to figure out the purpose that God's trying to fulfill through the unique matrix of our passions and skills and experiences. And I would even add heartbreaks to that. You know, you had mentioned when, when we're facing a difficult challenge, when we're facing something that seems insurmountable, we want to hear from someone who has been there. We want to hear you can survive this. We want to hear you will make it through. I have made it through and I'm promising you there's life on the other, other side. And we do that, you know, we, we do that as, as young as, as students and, and young married people and young parents, especially, you know, I, I find myself lately promising young parents that I encounter, like you will sleep again. I know it feels like you won't, (laughs) but you will, like you will be able to leave your house someday again without packing up the entire contents of your nursery preach you know you're gonna make it and it it feels like you're not but you're gonna make it and and the same whatever the 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 situation is and it's because I've endured things that I can I can witness to two different things and say like you know this feels awful but you're going to make it like this. This isn't the thing that's going to cause everything else to fall apart. And, and ultimately I can only do that because I'm looking to the God who promised me that mm. and said, no matter, you know, and we, again, we see it in the Psalms. We see it in lamentations, this promise that, that it feels terrible right now. Mm-hmm. It feels like everyone is against me. It feels like nothing is ever going to go right again and I'm never going to not be wrenched in two by this pain except I know that God is on the other side of it and uh, and on both sides and in the middle because I am because I am there and and that's the witness that Moses was called to give the people too because that answer came from Moses's question well who am I going to tell them sent me and you know and that's when when God said I am. That's who sent you. I am the one who, who is beginning and end and everything in between. Mm. I'm the existing one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's so much in that. I mean, for one, um, you know, some people under, uh, you know, we've, we've had Hebrew as a part of our schooling and, mm-hmm. you know, that you may be saying, well, how, how is it that you get all those things out of one? It's the fact that Hebrew as a language allows that. Yeah. Um, and so, I was, I am, I will be is all the same phrase. Yeah. And so God is God is using that intentional ambiguity of of Hebrew to bring out all those aspects of of his being. And then you said something very interesting about the fact that, you know, you would add in our heartaches as well. And it made me realize because I said experiences and it's making me realize that that when we say experiences, oftentimes we're just thinking of the positive experiences. Mm-hmm where it is God is bringing that totality of our experience, both good and bad, both mm-hmm. both elation and just 
absolute desolation um, to 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 bear on situations. Um, and it's, you know, that's encouraging for someone like me who has had a fair amount of loss mm-hmm. in my life. Um, and, uh, you know, at 30, at 35, I was orphaned, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, as we're ministering in, in the PCUSA, oftentimes we'll have 70 year olds who mm-hmm. still have at least a parent. Yeah. And so it's very strange to say, well, this is what it's like being on the other side of not having any parents. Yeah. Um, as, as they can be, you know, 30 years older than I am. But, um, you know, the, it is, when we talk about experience, you know, it, it is the totality of our experience, mm-hmm. not just a select, select group of it. And, um, I can remember hearing a, a speaker once I was probably in college at the time. And, um, and she was someone I, re- I respected. I had, I had known her from a distance for a while and she was speaking to a, a high school program and, and she explained that because of certain experiences in her life, because of a divorce, because of a, a loss, that that she was uniquely able to minister. And she gave concrete examples of, of because of this, I was able to affect this family. I was able to be with this family mm. in this situation in a way that I wouldn't have been otherwise. She said, does that mean that I'm, I wanted those losses to happen? Nope. No. Did it, did it mean that I wanted to get divorced so I could help someone else through a divorce? Mm-mm. It did not, but God redeemed my suffering. You know, that's just yeah. a, a slight, a, a microcosm of the redemption that's, that's offered to us in God's grace that, that we see these little redemptions along the way and it doesn't, it doesn't make the things good. It doesn't mean that we wanted them to happen, but but I think it, it's a slice of, of a glimmer of God's grace in that because we endured difficult things, we can can hold the hands of others as they go through those difficult things as well. You know, and that's a that's a great thought for World Communion Sunday where mm-hmm. we bring those things then to the table, not because, you know, I think we have a view of of communion of of the eucharist that's that's very much this is a sacred thing and we want to protect it but we bring those things because those are the stories of god's faithfulness to us those are the stories of jesus's grace to us Mm -hmm. and we want to lift those up because that's going to be the great celebration is all the redemptions along Mm -hmm. the way encompassed within this great redemption of christ's blood Mm -hmm. and sacrifice and resurrection um and so I, I think those are a great thing to, yeah, I wouldn't trade anything. I, I or Let me put that way, put it this way. I would trade everything in this world to have my dad back uh-huh. um, I, I, and my mom. And I, I would love to be able to spend time with them. But I'm so thankful for the grace of Jesus, which allows that to be transformed into something that then allows me to speak into different people's lives and who allow, allow different people to speak into my life then as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody willingly says, Hey, I want to go suffer today so that I can help someone else (laughs) through that, that suffering. Of course we would avoid it. And especially, I think I, especially when it comes to relationships and, and the lot, the unique loss that we feel when, when close relationships are broken, but what hope there is in knowing that, that despite the heartbreak, 
there's there's strength and and that God could use you to provide a comfort for someone else. Yeah. Even if it's just to say, yes, this is painful and this is awful and it's hard and I'm going to sit next to you while you're in it. So I think then the maybe a better rephrase of the question that I asked is, you know, what are, you know, who are the people that I can speak the grace of Christ into their lives because of my history, because of the redemption that God has worked in my life? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who am I uniquely equipped to minister to as a result of Jesus's grace and my experience in this world, mm-hmm. the, the, particularly the, the, the heart, the heartbroken, uh, gut wrenching experiences of this world. Yeah. Because, you know, as, as, um, you know, people look at, at us as pastors, as the, the kind of the professional Christians and mm-hmm. we'll just bring them into you and you, you, yeah, you, you make them, make them good church members. Yeah, exactly. Whereas it's like, no, no, no. Uh, you know, I have certain life experiences that make me uniquely able to speak into certain people's lives, but I certainly can't speak into everyone's life. Yeah. And I have to say, that's been one of my greatest joys as a pastor. You know, when someone comes in and says, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And, you know, of course, I only have my limited life experience, but to be able to say, well, you know, certainly I'm going to pray for you and be with you in this, but I don't fully understand, but let me, you know, but this person has been in your situation. Let me connect you. This person understands more differently than I do what you're going through right now. Let me connect you. And, um, and, and watching people be willing to then use those broken places in their lives to, to minister to others is, is pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and at the end of the day, that's what it's about: allowing that grace of Jesus to shine and allowing that healing to come mm-hmm. through having a an encounter with someone who knows that God is the I Am and will be there um, from you know from the very start of pain um, to the very end of it, and then beyond. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, that's a that's a great place for to, to be and to, to have that sort of community. You know, there, it was a long, um, it was a, excuse me, it was a long service. Um, and so I actually did cut a third point off the sermon, Mm. um, because, you know, sermons ought to have three points, no matter what. Um, Good Trinitarian formula. Yes. Even if they get cut off. Um, uh, not that, any part of the Trinity would anyway, that's yeah. getting yeah. Side, side note the when I was talking with the youth group last night about what they wanted to talk about this year, they all said the Trinity cause it's so confusing. And then they like to see me twist myself in pretzels trying to explain it. Yes. So, you know, all right. Times. Are you going to sell popcorn and tickets? <laughs> no, I'll probably call in you as an expert because <laughs> I've exhausted all of my illustrations and ideas and words. St. <laughs> Patrick's bad analogies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, anyway, um, so the third point that I cut is, is it, it tells us why God acts the way that God does. Um, and that's seen in the fact that, that he explains, God explains to Moses that he saw the people's oppression and that he heard it. And because of who God is, not just the eternal one, but he is loving and kind, uh, as we find out later in, in um, Exodus and Deuteronomy, um, 
you know, extending blessing to generation, uh, thousands upon thousands of generations and, and curse only to, um, uh, several generations mm-hmm. that because of who he is, he has to respond to mm-hmm. this, to this pain. He has to respond to this. Yeah. To me, it, it shows such a heart of compassion. And I think mm. like, you know, you could talk all day long about how you don't like, you know, snakes or, or whatever, but if you, you know, when you're given the chance to rescue an animal from, from peril, you do it. Or when you see one crossing the road, you don't plow right over it like that. Yeah. Like there's, we get glimpses of that compassion. And I, and that's what I, I envision here. Like God saying, I couldn't, I couldn't walk away and just mm-hmm. let you languish there. I couldn't like every part of me needed to intervene on your behalf because yeah because my heart broke for you and and continues to break. And I think, I think there's witness of that throughout scripture when, you know, God had compassion on his people, like, all right, he couldn't not help them. And so often our response, as you said, is, you know, well, you made your bed have fun with that. You know, you didn't take my advice. You didn't listen to me. Yeah. So good luck. Um, and, and that, that is not at all the character of God whose, whose mercies are new every morning, whose compassion has no end. Mm. And what a beautiful picture that is in conjunction with this promise that I am. So those things are, are eternal in, in a way that we really can't even fathom the depth of the grace and compassion and love and presence of God. No, because we very much have limited compassion. Mm-hmm. Like we, we very much as, as humans have a definite, definite. And, and, you know, even in, uh, working, walking with Jesus, Peter was like, Lord, how, how many times should I forgive? Um, and he, he was acting all gracious and mm-hmm. kind. He's like up to seven times. Yeah. And, uh, nope. Nope. Try again. And, um, you know, that's, that's, but even as we do that, we also have Paul who then puts, um, definite limits on church discipline and says, you know, we've, we've got to have some sort of order. And so it's grace that has, it doesn't have limits, but it is tempered by justice Mm -hmm. and that is always seeking the glory of God. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's a hard, it's hard for us to get our our minds around that um, to even as God executed judgment on the Israelites mm-hmm. first the northern king of uh, kingdom of Israel then the southern kingdom of Judah even then he was proclaiming but there's going to be one who comes later mm-hmm. you'll return to me um, and even in the curse in Genesis 3 we have the promise of the seed who will crush the head of the the serpent um, we have the image of Hosea, who we'll talk about in, in the mm-hmm. narrative lectionary, who is um, instructed to marry a prostitute yeah. as, as a living metaphor of... That's a weird ask. You know, it like. is. But then you see it in relationship to the life of Israel, to God, and you go, oh, oh yeah. God's married to that prostitute, and mm. we're the prostitute. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> and you, you had drawn out on Sunday, too, the idea... That, that God's timing is not our timing. Because yeah, if, you know, so. if we were in charge, then way back, 
in Exodus 3, God would have just fixed it then. It, right, I mean, Genesis 3. Genesis 3, yeah. You know, that... Um, Poof, existence terminated. <laughs> yeah, or, or you know, let me just fix, like, let me just fix this right now. And, and, and yet... I would have put that flaming cherubim right around the tree of, <laughs> yeah. of knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, and so as we see this truth that, that God is worked out throughout history and, and as we reckon God's presence in relationship to our suffering and the fact that there is still suffering, this, the idea that, that we don't always understand God's timing. And, and again, that, that, that being that, that spans history and present and future and eternity also kind of helps make helps it make sense that 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 God is in all of those things, all those places, all at once, in a way that blows our minds. Hmm. To me, there's comfort in that that God already knows the end of the story. God is already at the end of the story, and that that these pain, this pain that we feel in loss, in grief, in in brokenness, in frustration, that you know that that they're not going to carry the day that, that God already has something better in mind. God's timing is different than ours, but God is already there and God is here with us at the same time. And those are the kinds of statements that the middle school youth group looks at me and goes, you're crazy. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yes, I am. But also, no, I'm not. Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, and, and, you know, it's quite literally, thank God that we, do not have to understand it all in order to approach him mm-hmm. um, because we can't, we are the creation. You know, we have limits and, and as creator, God does not have those same limits op- in operation that we have as created finite beings. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a definite end to my physical reach. Uh, yeah. And, and so my emotional and my spiritual and my mental reach as well. Yeah. Uh, and fortunately God is, um, uh, is is large enough to to fill in that and and then some yeah yeah so lots lots to think about i think you know to bring it back to where we started i will be i will be thinking about the question for a while do we as the church do i personally as pastor dina as just dina uh, apart (laughs) from my vocation um, do i really believe that God understands and cares? Do I live as though God is with me? God is future. God is past. Um, do I live as though God wants a relationship with me? And then do I live as though I actually want a relationship with God? Yeah. You know, good, deep, hard questions. Because the honest answer is not always, you know, to all of those things. Um, but but also I, I feel blessed to have had glimpses of what the peace of God who is can bring into our lives. And how, and the, the, how God can sustain through difficult things. And, and how God can use every part of my life, every struggle, every joy, every... Um, every heartache, every question to then bring others along too, that they might understand the peace and 
joy that comes from trusting that God is. Yeah. Yeah. That's the hope. That's the dream. Mm -hmm. I mean, for in, 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 in so many words for for me as well. And, and, uh, to be able to pass that on to, um, my family and first of all, and foremost to, to my family, um, you know, yes, I pastor, but my, my heart is first for, for them and, mm-hmm. and then for the church and the calling. So, yeah. And I think when we catch that bigger perspective, then it is easier to let, to, to separate from those forms, to not be as concerned about what time the worship service is and is there one or two and do we sing three songs or two songs and do we sit in this way or do we sit in this way and do we stand up and sit or sit down do we clap you know the, those things that we no we do not clap no we do not um the i think so often those get used as a proof of our faith or as as trying to trying to give meaning or preserve the sanctity of something but when, once you've caught a glimpse of the glory and the peace and the promises of God, it's a little easier to let that stuff go, I think. Yeah. And as and it connects beautifully into um, this passage because later Moses is going to go on and even after he's gotten to know God, he is going to say, show me your glory. Mm-hmm. As he gets to know God more, he, he said, that's all I need. Just show yeah. me your glory. Um, and I think that's, uh, I think that's what it is, is he, you know, just needs more of that. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so we could use a little bit more of that prayer in our lives as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, that's been a, a good conversation over this. I really enjoyed this passage. Yeah. It was a good, not that there's a bad passage in there. No. It might be a drier conversation <laughs> if we were like in numbers and fr- from the tribe of Gad, you know, yeah. 57,000. Let's talk about that. But it's it's really a great conversation. And it's great when we can talk about, you know, so often we focus on Moses and how he responds in this. But to look at God and who he reveals himself to be to us mm-hmm. is, is always a just a, it, it strengthens me to see the way that God reveals himself mm-hmm. um, to each of us through his scripture. So, well, I think that concludes the conversation for this week. We are looking for a couple of people who would be willing to be conversation partners. I'm going to be out of the office, uh, disconnected from the face of the earth. Well, not from the face of the earth, but from, you know, telecommunications for a couple of weeks. Um, and so we could use a couple people to, to fill in and be conversation partners, really, uh, with Pastor Dina as she uh, explores the scriptures from the next couple weeks uh, from Deuteronomy, as I recall. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so... Ten Commandments are up again. Yeah, Ten Commandments. Uh, sorry, I must take off the same week <laughs> yeah, every year. Yeah. And I'm only into year two and yeah. already... <laughs> no, I've already preached on this twice. Jeez. Okay. But so if you'd like to be a conversation partner, uh, please... Uh, contact Pastor Dina and let her know and so that we can get you scheduled to do that. If you have found this episode helpful, would you please leave a rating and review and share it so that others can discover it more easily? This is such a great way to share the hope of Jesus Christ and to share 
uh, the faith in a conversational way that that invites people into into the knowledge and the love of Jesus Christ, and and hopefully gives you the equipping and resourcing you need to to do that a little bit more. Uh, also, click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts, Apple uh, Podcasts or Pandora or wherever it may be. Uh, that way, whenever new episodes drop, we can uh, you can be aware of that. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate your listenership. Uh, but until next time, I'm Pastor James, and I'm Pastor Dina, and we hope this th- we hope that this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday.